everybody. Welcome to Prefer Not To. We're really happy you decided to spend some time with us. Uh, as always, it's a sometime cocktail hour with your hosts. Always cocktail hour. It is always cocktail hour. I ran right over you on that one. Which hosts Josh and Kate. With your hosts, as she said, that person who was sitting over there, who I can't mm-hmm. remember who she is, uh, Josh Lucas and Kate Matthews. As always, I am not Kate. And I'm not Josh. Every episode, we sample a cocktail that Kate generously uses her time to research and tell us about, uh, talk a little bit about it, maybe render a verdict on it. Uh, then we move on to talking about whatever sort of silly cultural matters have floated through our transom that week. It's usually a movie we watched. We're starting a new series of movies this week, so that'll be new. exciting. I know. Before we've done Irwin Allen disaster movies, bad sequels, I'm missing something. But number ones. Number ones, yeah. Previous number ones that people forgot about. And now uh, we're going to start a set of uh, watches of adaptations of television shows into motion pictures. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the big ones that you think of. Some that you might have forgotten. Because I'm now talking like this, and then I'm going back down like that. Like a slide whistle. So what uh, What movies did we watch? I don't have enough songs with slide whistles in them these days. I'm just saying. That's like the first instrument that most kids learn to play. You know, it's like just a, it's like a vertical trombone. What What popular song has a slide whistle in it? I don't know. I'm like, sure there's something that has a slide whistle in it. Like, is there something from a couple of years ago? or? Uh, but mostly just, you know, cartoons meant to demonstrate uh, the anticipated success and then subsequent failure of something tossed into the air by a coyote. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this is, uh, we've decided our second anniversary show, because it's roughly two years since we started doing the show. Mm-hmm. Hey, so congratulations on uh, two years of doing whatever the crap this is that we're doing <laughs> And we're on, still doing on it. Internets. I yeah. know. Why? Uh, for you 11 people who accidentally click on us in the iTunes store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Kate, what cocktail and what you movie know, did we watch? When, oh. Sorry, I just thought of this. Mm-hmm. Um, when after we're dead mm-hmm. and our uh, podcast is then rediscovered by people millions of years in the future, mm-hmm. sure. Um, I and then I we pretty become, much, by the way, plan out every show, assuming that no one's going to listen to it for like three hundred years, but that we will be a treasured cultural artifact mistreated by our own time. See, I was going to go the other way with it. I was going to say that we're turned into gods in millions of years. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they will regard us as so... Like prophets. Existentially ahead of our time that uh, it'll be, you know, it'll be like... Adam Carolla will be like a little footnote. Well, I was going to say is that they will... Uh, and, and prefer not to heaven, there's mm-hmm. only 11 people that will be allowed in. That's right. And are it you, will be are totally you, by accident. Are you one of the 11? And that's going to be a key... Right. The 11 tenet. tribes of prefer not to. Yeah, exactly. Will there be a lost tribe like the Mormons? Uh, we're going to have to discuss that with God. I don't know. We're God now. Sure. Yeah, there is. Yeah, we got really monomaniacal there, didn't we? Yeah, of course there's. No, there's not. Fuck you, lost person. So. <laughs> I got really violent all of a sudden. Yeah. I had a bad day at work. Okay. Yeah. You always have. Every time. You know, I go back and I listen to the archives of the show, and it's like every day is like, I had a terrible day at work. <laughs> Even when I was at my a old job. A listener might conclude you just don't like labor. Which, you know, who of us does? No, I'm a Protestant. That is my, that's where I get my, that's, I'm born to work. 
got my ethic. I got to Yeah, okay. I enjoy the labor. I just don't like seeing other people be dumb, which I guess I should just kill myself now because that's humanity, right? Well, his eye is on the sparrow, Kate. Yeah. Who's, that's like my all-purpose who's eye? Re- That's my all-purpose reproach to any Christian. Like I use it when it's completely not in any way relevant to what it's saying, but like if someone is a Christian and they're like being mean, I'm just like, you know, his eye is on the sparrow. That's not more of, that's real, isn't that, I thought that's more of a reassurance than a Well, you, you could also use it as an admonition to like people punching down to people beneath them. Why? You know, because oh, God's why you behold the awesome. lily of the lilies of the field. Yeah. That kind of thing. Behold the lilies of the goddamn field. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, Kate, also in honor of this being our second anniversary, I am paring us down one disclaimer. We no what? longer have the two standard disclaimers. What did we lose? We lost the one about how we don't know anything about cocktails. I think we need to lean in and be uh, aggressively embrace our newfound expertise in people, cocktails. People do talk to me about cocktails a lot. People that know that I do the show. I don't know if they actually listen anymore, mm-hmm. but they do talk to me. They're like, oh, hey, did you see this new BuzzFeed article about 24 great summer cocktails to have? Or mm-hmm. like, hey, 24 you... great things that Aubrey Plaza said to a Disney princess about cocktails. Exactly. And <laughs> Or like, hey, I had this thing. What is it called? It was um, uh, um, a Manhattan. I had it the other day. Have you done a show on one of those? That's actually the original name of the Manhattan was the Herpes. And then it was the New York Tourism Bureau who was like, we got to stop. <laughs> Railroaded People that. cannot associate us with herpes. <laughs> no. Even if it's like and the kind of herpes. And that's why it's that color because it's like a discharge. Yeah. Even if it's, all the, if it's the kind of herpes that everyone already has, you know, that isn't not the kind that causes right. warts. I mean, but... for, let's be honest. People who come to this apartment are going to get herpes from something. Probably. Uh, no, so we're down to one disclaimer. Oh, yeah. Sorry. One Focus. disclaimer. Uh, Kate, do you want to handle the one standard disclaimer this week? I will. Alcoholism is a serious condition, not unlike situs inversus. And if you were diagnosed with that particular condition, you might want to speak to your doctor. And if you're an alcoholic, you want to get some help from your friends and talk to a medical professional. So tell me about situs inversus. You've got all this newfound medical knowledge since you're working in the healthcare field now. It's a it's a congenital condition in which the uh, major organs, like the heart, the lungs, the major visceral organs, are uh, mirrored. So it's mm-hmm. like whoop. So you're like Matrox the Multiple Man, or more like the Wonder Twins, where like one is on one side and one is the other, or more like so Doctor Who. If you switch it that way, it means that you're if you're searching for a heartbeat, it's going to be on the opposite side of okay. your chest. So is this just like a random thing that like it's just something that happens, or does it cause actual problems? Because I would think it very, wouldn't actually be that much. Like unless you know the Coriolis effect is a problem. Very or something. rarely, um, I think there's like a slight increase in people having cardiac issues, mm-hmm. and then you'd be monitored pretty consistently through their lives. But the most major thing is that if you. Uh, if you were in an accident and a paramedic right, and you're like, oh my god, he has no heart. There's no heartbeat, mm-hmm. but it's over here instead. Mm-hmm. There's also another condition where um, the organs are kind of all sploogy inside of you, like sure. every which away, and that can cause a lot more issues. But situs inversus is usually just the fact that your lungs, instead of going like this, are you realize like this. we don't have a hand of phone, so they can't. In the two years, we still haven't managed to scrape up enough product endorsements. <laughs> for a hand phone? For a hand phone. So people have no. no idea what your gestures actually are. No. Yeah, it's found in about uh, 0.01% of the population. God, that would be so cool. That uh-huh. would be so. So let me ask you this. Are people with situs inversus usually left-handed? You know, I don't know. Mm? I don't know. Do they talk backward? Uh, the one person I'm well, okay. So you want to know? Are white people really cool? 
So you want to know some famous people who have this? Sure. Catherine uh, O'Hara. Really? And she's a genius. Enrique Iglesias. Not he so does not speak English as his first language. Did he just so... like fall off a stage or something the other day and everybody went apeshit about him falling off a stage? Probably. Yeah. He was in an episode of America's Next Top Model once. That was weird. Yeah? Yeah. Because they were modeling was for his- Was he modeling? No, they were models in his music video. Mm-hmm. And then- Let me ask you this. Did, did he have to, when he, when he buys a jacket, does it have to button on the other side like the girl's way? Like does he have to button from I the don't, left to the right? You'd have to ask him about that, I guess. But yeah, it was a weird episode because they were the prize was to be the star in the in the in the movie mm-hmm. in the music video, and then when the actual official music video came out, it was the not shot with any of the models from the show. Because why would you? Because it was so bad. Well, no, because that show is just insane. That show is insane. Did, did we have another season of that? We we gave up about halfway through the most recent. Oh no, Hello, we finished it. We finished it. We just didn't. Um, we finished it. Yeah, who won? Somebody annoying. <sighs> It was the guy, the ex, the football player, the oh, Ken, right. I think. Wait, not the two not, seasons ago was the drunk guy, right? Not not Beardweave, but uh, Ken. Oh God, that right, Beardweave, but Beardweave was two seasons ago. No, no, no. This last season was Beardweave. He didn't win. It was the football player. The Beardweave was the first Boys in the House. Was the one? No, that was the second one. Okay. The first episode of Boys, the first season of Boys in the House. Excuse me, cycle of Boys in the right. House. Two O oh, uh, was the one that had their. I was married when I was 18, mm-hmm. and I was married before when I was 18, oh, and right. I got and divorced a, a year later, and yeah, then and on the, the other side was, was my plumber. dad is a plumber. Right. I bet that people would cite us in verses like, fuck up metal detectors. Probably. I don't Prove know. me wrong. Well, we'll have to, Catherine O'Hara, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> that sounds, like, honestly, that sounds like something from Game of Thrones, like there's a prophecy Called Sidus and Versus. Right, and you'll only know that the Savior was actually our deliverer once he dies and you cut him open and behold the miracle of his appendix being on the left side. So, largely speaking... I wonder if people with Sidus, if they get appendicitis, people are like, what is this crazy, sharp-stabbing pain on my left lower abdomen? Um, Most of the time, I think it probably... Actually, before the invention of modern medicine, Mm -hmm. that shows you how low-key it is. It's not Mm -hmm. usually an issue. But I thought it was cool. I thought it was freaky. Can they, do they have to drive British cars? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. That makes sense. Okay. So what are we drinking today? We're having stingers. Okay. Tell me about a stinger. A stinger is a cocktail that is made out of brandy and uh, creme de menthe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Creme, how, how would you say That it? is uh, Spanish. I think that's Spanish for cream of the month. Yes, it is. Uh, which is why it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. You can only get it one month a year. Uh, yeah, and the recipe changes every and year. That month, every is month. Blembuary. Blembuary. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a stinger. The stinger is a brandy cocktail made with uh, creme de menthe, clear white mm-hmm. creme de menthe. But um, that's why our drink is so clear today. Y- yeah. Well, actually, you know what? We're tightening. There is a there's a version of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, most times, people just order a stinger as anything that has creme de menthe and is like just that and the liquor, like vodka stinger. Right. Is um you know something creme, that's shown up. The mint makes it stingy. Yeah. Um, the version that we're having is actually with green creme de menthe because I'm dumb and I can't. And I don't think white creme de menthe actually exists. If you find some, please send them to us. That's well within the realm of possibility. Um, so what we're technically drinking is called the Green Hornet. But I was like, fuck that shit. It's the same flavor. It's just a different color. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's, that's. That was actually a movie that got made. Somebody made a superhero movie 
with freaking uh, what's Seth his name Rogen. Seth Rogen as like the main character. Yeah, that's craziness. Yeah, it didn't do too well. No, but again, it's just one of the, it's like these weird days that we live in, man. People flipping their organs around. Seth Rogen being a comic book hero. It's madness. So how did the stinger happen? Uh, so the stinger is a pre-prohibition cocktail. It was very popular in the 1910s. Um, it was it's very closely associated with uh, nightlife and like the well-to-do, the upper mm-hmm. crust, the elite, the people who don't have to do anything. It's an after-dinner drink. Mm-hmm. Um, it's meant as a digestive. Yet again, an after-dinner drink. Yes, it is. I guess that's like you know, there aren't a lot of cocktails that you drink during the meal, except for like your like wine. I right, think but that's not probably, a cocktail. Yeah, point. exactly. But the thing that I thought was interesting about the Stinger is that it's actually not really, um, it's one of the few drinks, in fact, it might be the only drink we've done that doesn't have an actual story behind it. Like, there's no mm-hmm. bartenders that claim it. Can we make one up? Sure. Oh, that'd be awesome. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll go first. Okay, so who invented it? I'm going to say a sentence, and then you say a sentence. We, have we exhausted all of the known facts about the stinger first? Okay, no, we haven't. Okay, so tell us what we know about the stinger, and then we will create, through the power of our words conjuring an image in your mind, an actual history of the stinger. I was going to say that um, it's made with brandy, which is sounds probably sounds a little bit strange and probably tastes a little strange, but a mm-hmm. lot of the most popular whiskey-based cocktails mm-hmm. today, like your Old Fashions, your Sazeracs, mm-hmm. your Manhattans, they were all made with brandy first. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, Jerry Thomas's um, Bartender's Guide from 1862 usually lists brandy as the first drink and things that are now mm-hmm. commonly known as whiskey drinks. So we know it goes back at least to 1862. Where's the first reference of the thing? 1917. Okay. In a cocktail book, um, the uh, the ideal bartender. Okay. Um, it's easy to make and it's easy to drink. As you just has a taste. I haven't tasted it yet. Uh, it's pretty good. It's like mouthwash you can drink. Yeah, and it's very sweet. It's easy to drink. I mean, let me back up. Uh, I think. 16-year-olds around the world have proven to us that all mouthwash is a mouthwash you can drink. But this is mouthwash uh, adults who have other options might consider drinking. Yeah, it has a uh, – it has a. it's easy to drink. It's easy to make. It has a good name. So it was really popular and it was also associated with, mm-hmm. like, you know, being well-to-do. Plus, um, I will tell you this. It's one of the few cocktails that will probably leave your mouth smelling better mm-hmm. uh, when you're done with That's it. That's actually one of the things people say about it is that people liked it also because it's got the mint in it so it could hide the smell of alcohol on your breath. Mm-hmm. Um, fighter pilots, like, well, not well-to-do fighter pilots, but, like, the kind of, like, Like, aristocratic... seriously, smell me. I'm going to come over here and breathe on no, you. No, I don't want to smell you. Come on, breathe, let me no, breathe on you. No, I'm I breathe do on not want to smell you. Let me breathe on you, baby. <laughs> Why did you do that? I'm going to breathe on you, baby. That's I'm going to breathe on you. I'm going to dragon, baby. I'm going to breathe on you. Mm, taste my flames. I'm the mighty Drake stinger. So this is, um, from... <laughs> This is from David Wondreth. He, he wrote um, Imbibe, but uh, mm-hmm. I thought this was just kind of an interesting way of putting it. Um, of all the indispensable cocktails, the Stinger's origins are the most obscure. One way or another, over the course of time, your martinis in Manhattans, old fashions, daiquiris, margaritas have all been fitted out with etiologies, a word which means here a dubiously accurate story explaining a cocktail's origin. <laughs> Not the Stinger. <laughs> so, I like the phrase like, dubiously accurate because that does describe most <laughs> uh, cocktail histories. Um, I mean, people have said... It will also describe the actual history of the Stinger, which Kate and I know, uh, and will relate to you momentarily. Um, people have said that it uh, it was it was popular during Prohibition because mm-hmm. if you add the mint to homemade hooch, it makes it taste better no matter what it is. But it showed up pre, pre-Prohibition in 1917. 
But that's pretty. Mm-hmm. I mean, and versions of it have existed throughout mm. the. I mean, there's one called the Judge. There's one called Brant, uh, the Brant, which is this, but it has bitters in it and some lemon peel. Ooh, that's a step back. So, you know, and uh, this was also a popular favorite of Regin- Reginald Vanderbilt, who is Anderson Cooper's grandfather. Right. Not not Cornelius Vanderbilt, because you were like, it's, it was a favorite of Vanderbilt. And I'm like, the only Vanderbilt I care about is Cornelius Vanderbilt. This is Gloria's mo- father. Right. It's one of the people leeching he... off. The, it's one of the people leeching off the Commodore's money. Well, he uh, he he enjoyed one daily, um, mm-hmm. and he also died of cirrhosis. <laughs> um, I think one cocktail a day is going to give you cirrhosis. Well, I mean, the queen has her Pimm's cup every day. She didn't have cirrhosis. But she might. You don't know that. Mm. Anyway, so it's just. So, but you were going to relate to us the actual history of the stinger. Um, the stinger. I heard it had something to do with World War One. Yeah, it was actually invented in 1914. Mm-hmm. So three years earlier than the current. Uh, Records indicate. Yeah, it was invented in 1914 in Austria, mm-hmm. strangely enough, um, by a young stable boy named mm-hmm. Franz. Franz Stinger. Franz Stinger. Right. And um, I, he took it to the big city with him, along with his dreams of becoming a barman. Right. Which is where he opened up the Stingerstein. Mm-hmm. Dutch Stingerstein? Dutch. Right. The sti- which means the Stinger Cup. Yeah, or the Stinger the Stinger Shack also mm-hmm. used to be. It, it came to be called. And that's mm-hmm. where the Stinger was served. Dutch Stinger Stack. Yeah, Dutch Stinger Stack. Mm-hmm. Was, it was actually, and he grew up on a mint farm, is what I'm given to understand. Which is so why he was, he was so looking with for mint, minty yeah. cocktails yeah. Uh, for Hans Stinger uh, to make in Austria. So how did it come to the U.S.? I'm guessing returning doughboys uh, had... Uh, after During the, after World War One, yeah, mm-hmm. they they it was such a popular you know your doughboys mm-hmm. they brought it back to America with mm-hmm. them and then like a lot of cocktails I'm guessing it was took over in Hollywood it was popular probably yeah it was actually this is some this is a cocktail that shows up in a lot of classic movies Cary mm-hmm. Grant uh, your your mm-hmm. um, all those types. it's in that Sondheim song it's in that the Sondheim vodka singers, song uh, for the ladies in lunch uh, it's in a James Bond novel mm-hmm. as well um, I know Clara Bow the it girl when she died one was found in her hand. Uh, Truman Capote used to feed his cats exclusively uh, tuna fish and mm-hmm. stingers. Mm-hmm. That is a f- fun fact that I totally made up. They didn't live long, though. Stingers or the cats? Both. Yeah. Well, I don't think many cocktails live long in Truman's I did house. want to say something else about the stinger. This is one of the few cocktails that is... Um, did you know that if you... I did not know this, but... Um, if you have clear liquor, if mm-hmm. your liquor is clear, you are supposed to stir it. Mm-hmm. But oh, if no, it's I'm sorry. Cloudy <laughs> at morning, fun. sailor take warning. You may not know this, but apparently um, clear liquors, clear mm-hmm. spirits, are supposed to only be stirred. Right, because otherwise you, um, you, you break down the molecules in some way. Someone said something to me about this, like with ice and crap, and you don't shake them or crush them with ice. Mm-hmm. But the stinger is actually one that's shaken, so. I that well, because you have like a cloudy liquid mixed with a with a clear liquid, mm-hmm. I guess. It's a lovely that's orange. Good. Yes. And it's traditionally, uh, yeah, it's. Serving. It's got the same color as like a sidecar. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, so that's the stinger. Thank you, Hans Stinger, and the Doughboys for bringing it back to the states. And uh, you want to take it? Take a taste. Do you have you had a taste? I I thoroughly enjoyed mine. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be. Served. I like brandy drinks to begin with, though. Those tend to be among my favorites. Really? So this is supposed to be served in like not what's the other thing? It's not a champagne flute. Cocktail glass. The other thing that champagne is served in that's not a flute. The little bowl, the the, the bowl wide one. bottom. I've only yeah. ever seen these served in cocktail glasses. Oh really? Yeah. Every picture I saw of the stinger was in one of those. Huh. So, okay. Anyway. 
Bottoms up, lady. Okay. You don't look like you enjoyed yours as much as I did. I do know that um, there are a lot of different recipes. We went through the Savoy cocktail books mm-hmm. standard recipe, the Stinger, which is um, which is uh, it one... ain't that hard to make. It's just two liquors. Well, yeah, but it's the the ratio is mm-hmm. what ends up being important because you don't want to overpower right. the mint. Uh, the Stinger cocktail is uh, three fourths brandy to one fourth white creme de menthe. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I did with ours, but I think you could probably tinker with it even more and add maybe more brandy and keep this amount of crumb to month or just completely like lessen it. Yeah, you used know? quite a bit of uh, of the mint. It's it's real minty, but I liked it. But, you know, I like the sweeter drinks anyway. I like the brandy well, drinks. Well, I, I made a double so we would have enough to split between us. Yeah. Well, you did good. You done good. That's usually what I do. All right. So formulate an opinion. Save your opinion. Okay. And when, we, when we're done talking about our movie going to come back and render an opinion. Okay. So what movie did we watch? We to w- kick off our series of television shows reimagined as big silver screen spectacles. It's got a good aftertaste, though. That's what I'm telling you. Like it, it sits in your mouth real fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Like a little man. Mm. I don't know what a that means. fun man boy. Um, so we watched uh, the Twilight Zone movie. Right. From 1983. Yes. Correct. And uh, do you want to describe this feature or should I? This is um this is a movie that is based from the popular TV show in the mm-hmm. 60s, uh, The Twilight Zone. Um, this movie is comprised of four reimaginings of mm-hmm. classic Twilight Zone movies. It's I mean, sort of an episodes. anthology picture. It's an etho- anthology, but it's um, each part is directed by a different director. There's four total, um, and you kind of float back and forth through the movie. With narration, I mean, mm-hmm. um, Burgess Meredith shows up and does the narration. A very little bridge narration. Very little bridge. Yeah. And I think there and was supposed a, to be. There's a sort of really limp framing device. Yeah, and I think there was supposed to be more back and forth between the four different stories, like connecting them as all in one big crazy universe. I don't know. Um, but that didn't really pan out. That's why Dan Aykroyd shows up at the end and the beginning. Well, that's the framing device, but yeah. But it's supposed to be. Yeah, so there's a framing and, device where Dan Aykroyd is a spooky monster and he scares uh, Albert Brooks well, at the beginning. They're, they're talking about classic television while there are a couple of people driving across the country. In yeah, while they're driving. Um, but I, I read that like one of the characters from the end of one was supposed to kind of somehow connect with the character in the new one and then that's uh, where they would pick up the story. Yeah, that's a device that people think is going to work and it's never going to work. There's a TV Especially series. With these stories. Well, there like... was a TV series that I really like. You know Boomtown, the show that I yeah. liked from 15 years ago. Yeah. In its original concept, it was going to do that, that like at the end of every episode, there was going to be like a body or something that would link to the next episode. Yeah. And for one thing, that doesn't work with TV because, you know, television viewers until recently have hated continuity to begin with. So you mm-hmm. don't want to, but, and then that's like a little form of continuity that's just like a little wink, 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 nudge, nudge. It doesn't really help you. I'd also don't see, like, I think it would be weird to have the four stories connect considering that they're so different in such different times. Anyway. Well, and the directors are tonally so different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so anyhow. There's four segments. The yeah. first one, um, we've got one you by- You want to alternate or what do you want to do? I was going to say, I was going to say, we've got one by John Landis- Okay. And then we've got one by... Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. And then one by Joe Dante. And then the last one was by... George Miller. George Miller. Of Mad Max fame. So... Riding high right now on his rebooted Mad Max. Yep. So the film opens with uh, Dan Aykroyd and Albert Brooks driving cross country. Like Josh said, they're talking about classic episodes of TV. No, 
classic theme songs from TV. Right. Because they're like, you know, they do like the Which love Which definitely boat feels like some sort of Albert Brooks bit that they just were like, it was hey, very, Albert, do that bit that you did with the TV shows. It was very, very like, uh, okay, all right, when are we going to hear the Twilight Zone music? Right. Which then we do. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, it's like, you know, you're entering a world of sight and blah, blah, blah. And uh, we go to the first segment, which is the one directed After by... After Dan Aykroyd eats Albert Brooks's face. Yes. Because he turns out to be some sort of scary ghoul. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I don't. Okay, let me. Let me I, I hate to keep interrupting you, but I don't associate the Twilight Zone with like scary ghouls. No, like that's not their thing. Their thing is always like wah, 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 ironic punishment combined with ham-fisted liberal social commentary from the sixties. Wouldn't you say it's an accurate description of their formula? Well, I do think there's some episodes where there are things that are scarier than others, but sure. it's usually in, internalized or like it's not. It's not blood and guts like. Ah! Right, it's the you know. it's sort of the, and I loosely use the term psychological horror, but yeah. it's the it's oh hoist on your own petard twist twist ending. Well, because you know, this person's Greek tragedy, this person's foibles are brought back upon. Right, them. and I I would just that's most of it, but then there you have the episode like the boy who can read everyone's mm-hmm. minds, and that's scary. Like mm-hmm. that's not, but it's not like. Which is one of the episodes. Yeah, which is, which is, yeah. So So tell us about the first one. Which, by the way, this is, I think you should probably tell the story uh, that most people know this movie for first. Do you want me to tell it? Yeah. So this movie became famous uh, in the aftermath of the production of the movie in that the first segment uh, led to the deaths of lead actor Vic Morrow, uh, a recurring visitor on our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may remember him from uh, Dirty Larry, Crazy Mary, or vice versa, Dirty Mary, Crazy it's, Larry. It's Dirty Mary because she's yeah. a whore. Uh, in which he was flying a helicopter, and Kate and I both expressed some uh, reservations about watching a movie in which Vic Morrow flies in a helicopter because in this movie, he and two young Vietnamese uh, child actors, who it turns out were not legally employed by Mr. Landis, uh, ended up uh, being killed uh, when a hel- in a helicopter wreck. In a in a stunt gone a gruesome, horribly yeah. wrong. Uh, a gruesome, and there was a long uh, manslaughter trial after which uh, Landis and several other people were acquitted, but at which also they admitted they should not have done what they did, hired the actors and such. So, well, something about like the the stunt text told them that it wasn't going to be a good day to do the shoot, right. and they went forward with it. And anyway. we take another thirty years. 30? Yeah, before someone was actually convicted of a felony uh, in the death of a human being in the making of a movie in America. So That was just a couple of years ago with the uh, Almond Brothers biopic. There was a production assistant who died. And uh, the director is now, uh, or served some time in jail. Yep. So, so with this, that exciting, happy backstory of dead of children and dead beloved character actor and Vic father Morrow. of Jennifer Jason Lee, Vic Morrow. Um, so the first story is... A older gentleman, he's supposed to be in his 50s, do you Something think? like that. Something like that. A guy who is clearly from a different generation who um, is upset because he didn't get a job and he's meeting his friends in a bar mm-hmm. and he he lost, did he lose it? He didn't get a promotion because they he gave it to, the, to, the, to that That's damn Jew and then he starts complaining about... Uh, he's like, you know, this Jewish guy got it because he's Jewish right. and, you know, it's the same thing. The Everybody Chinese got, and the, the blacks. The Chinese and, and, and the blacks are taking everything and his friends are like, hey, calm down, bro, because they're in the middle of a bar and there's like a table of black guys sitting next to him who are like, you know, giving him like the eye every once in a while right. and then he gets mad and storms out because you know no one will listen to him and it's a free country damn it and these are his expressions and he can but do whatever he wants but he's about to take a walk yes into where the bathroom dun 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 
So he leaves the bar, <laughs> and when he walks outside, he is in Nazi Germany. Well, the what? What? Right. Crazy. Right. And so this is what I mean when I get to the... And this is actually a very loose retelling. This is the loosest of the retellings of the original Twilight Zone episodes. Uh-huh. Because it's not based on one specific episode. Right. It sort of merges a a thematic elements of a lot of them, which is the sort of ham-fisted uh, 60s... Uh, progressive politics uh, combined with wacky twist endings. So um, he walks outside and he uh, comes across two German soldiers in Nazi uniforms who immediately start calling him like Der Juden and you know Mm -hmm. they're like where are your papers and he's like I don't have any papers like who are you what is going on Uh, it is quickly established that for whatever reason he has traveled back in time to Nazi Germany Mm -hmm. and he is a Jew and he's going to be prosecuted right persecuted and there there are signs everywhere like we hate Jews it's also very clear I think the, the Warner's backlot. Oh yeah, God yeah. Uh, it looked just like if you if you know what the Warner's backlot looks like, you'll recognize some of these streets immediately. So he gets uh, he gets arrested, but he breaks free and like runs around and he uh, he tries to get help from someone in Germany who's like no, and he falls through a window and at some point he falls into a river. No, that's, uh, yeah. that's his escape from the next one. Never yeah, mind. no, he falls, and uh, and then suddenly he f- uh, finds out he's being hanged uh, for being yeah, a black person a by a uh, four-time Emmy Award winner John Larroquette. Yeah, and uh, all of a sudden he's in the Deep South in America, right? and uh, he's being uh, hauled around by some Ku Klux Klan members who are getting ready to lynch him. There's a burning cross, and he's like, excuse me, what are you doing? I'm white. Let, by let the way, me go. I don't think they did the burning cross at the lynchings. I don't mean to be a stickler for history, but like for them, like, uh, and again, I'm not standing up for Klan people, uh, but they were like- You oh. say that- too much. No, yeah, I'm just walking around. Now, I'm not saying, I'm just saying those those sheets look really, you know, maybe men should rethink moo-moos. Uh, no, but I don't think they burned, like, crosses at the lynchings, but I can do it. So, he's, he's about to be hung, not lynched, really, because they haven't been, like, they haven't, there's no, like, hint of violence or cutting off his genitals or anything like well, that. Lynching just means an, an illegal execution. Uh, yeah, but it's a lot more. I think the connotation of lynching is also more violent. Like, vi- anyway. whatever. I mean, so a, he's an about, extrajudicial execution is what I always have associated. He's with. about to get lynched, and uh, I forget. He busts away and runs away from them, and then jumps into a river. Right. And uh, as he comes up out of the river, he hears some. Uh, there are some American soldiers who are running through and right. queue all along the watchtower because right. he's in Vietnam. Right. Because apparently, yeah. If you, this is a fun fact that movies have taught me is that if you are in Vietnam, all along the watchtower is just playing constantly from Always. speakers that you can't see anywhere. It's either that it's, or uh, fucking, or fortunate son or fortunate son right. some CCR. <laughs> so he is like down in the water watching, and these uh, you know troops come wading through and like. You know, I can't wait to kill these Viet Cong. Like, right, because I'm horrible American. And then he comes out to say, like, oh, God, they're Americans. I know who they are. And he comes out to talk to them, and then they start shooting at him because they think he's Viet Cong. He's VC. And uh, then he runs away again. Yeah. And I forget how he gets out of it, but he's transported back to Nazi Germany. Right, and then he's on a train, and he gets shipped off to a death And camp. he gets thrown onto a train. And while he's on the train with all the other... Um, Jewish prisoners, he looks outside and can see his car parked mm-hmm. in front of the bar, and he sees his two friends come out and go, where'd John go? Or whatever his name is, and he goes, I'm here! I'm here! And he, you know, and then he gets dragged off yeah. to a concentration camp and dies, uh, presumably. And then we cut to our next Unlike vignette. Unlike Vic Morrow, we don't know what happened to the character he was portraying. Stop it! Uh, <sighs> we we, uh, we trans- 
transmute, trans go forward. So then in lieu of Rod Serling doing the narration, the famous uh, you're entering a realm of uh, beyond space and time or whatever it is, uh, we have uh, Burgess Meredith, who was, featured, who was a star of more than one episode oh, of Oh, like uh, four or uh, five, yeah. yeah. Um, Mr. There's several time quite now. memorables, right? Mr. There was time now. So he's doing the vo- the voiceover. We vo- we transition to the next uh, episode, which is uh, from the minute that the first shot comes up, very apparently a Steven Spielberg joint, because we have a lot of uh, old people in very uh, fuzzy, hazy lighting doing <laughs> cute things that we associate with uh, with with old people, but also you know they've still got spunk in them, and. Uh, so it's we're at a nursing home uh, where there's some old people who are sort of feeling their oats and a little cranky. So one of them doesn't want them to be as uh, young as the other is. The other one is a sort of dashing Douglas Fairbanks old uh, lecher in a velvet coat. Uh, and then uh, a couple of them are ethnic stereotypes. And then let's welcome the magical black right. man. And then in uh, uh, and then in a move I can only describe as Cocoon meets Bagger Vance, <laughs> magical Scatman Crothers shows up uh, to teach these old people the value of being young. Like, I, this is my big beef with this whole episode, which I understand is a remake of a Twilight Zone episode. But it's a kick the can episode. I, right. I also reread the episode, and the episode has a lot darker undercurrents than the, this adaptation does. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, so he lets them become young for a night by playing kick the can and typical Spielberg shenanigans where it's like, it's you could have basically cut and paste 20 years later uh, the hook Lost Boys scenes of a bunch of kids, raps, those rapscallions up to no good. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they realize that some of them like it, some of them don't most of them are like well i was better where i was like you know i'm not I, there's no way i'll have to live my whole life over again without my husband because there's this one woman whose husband's already right. dead and she's notably been. by the way scatman crothers does not become young no he doesn't because his magic only serves white people and one jewish guy one very jewish guy yeah, one uh archetypally offensive if you didn't know that spielberg was making this movie <laughs> right um so they all I'm too young to buy many shavids. <laughs> so they turn back into old people, except for one of them, the Douglas Fairbanks right, type, who, who decides to jump out a window. And then Scatman Crothers leaves after uh, having his work having been done and uh, he to moves, go help white people down the block. He moves into a retirement <laughs> home down the block. Like the next white people retirement home down oh, the block. Yes, oh, yes, sir. I'm Scatman Crothers. Work, I'm here to wix my magic with my magic can. And that yeah. happens. That's that's the end of that one. Josh and I did not care for it. No, you can't tell. We did not. Uh, and I think that's mostly I mean, because it's not. Beloved, beloved, uh, beloved song and dance man's Gatman Crothers aside, who is charming as always. Uh, there's no plot. There's no story to it. It's just Spielberg, like, wanking his own, like, I like old people and kids. <laughs> rainbow machine. Right. It's right. And, that's uh, what he calls his cock, my rainbow oh machine. Oh, God. Mm, baby, you ready for my rainbow machine? And then he, um, <laughs> then we transferred on to the next one, which now, the is. The next two are much, much, much oh better. So the next one is the retelling of the classic story with the little boy. Right. Who this can, is the Joe Dante one. Who can hear what everyone else is thinking. Joe Dante, who you will know from uh, Gremlins and any other Small uh, shoulders. sort of uh, he's a big fan of cartoons uh, Dante's Peak that was no, him no that's not him <laughs> you're right he's the character from Clerks so um, it's his autobiography actually um, so uh, the third segment starts off with a woman who's in a diner and uh, she is leaving Made by Kathleen Quinlan by Kathleen Quinlan who's getting ready she's backing out of the diner after she's done with her meal and she accidentally hits a young boy on a bike 
Um, and he's fine, but his bike is torn to shreds. So she offers to drive him home from the diner. When they get there, things go crazy. Mm-hmm. They get to the house, and he's immediate. This little boy is immediately greeted by like his whole family, who are a bunch of kind his of whole like, family played by very recognizable faces in some places. Like Kevin McCarthy, you may remember from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, and any number of other things. Uh, William Shallert, who you may remember from every television show made between 1955 and 1985, and uh, Nancy, N- Nancy, Nancy Cartwright, Nancy Cartwright, who you may recognize as the voice, voice of, of Bart, uh, Bart Simpson. Simpson. And also, did I didn't know this, but you know his sister that he got. Anyway, it turns out the boy has these magical powers where he basically can uh, hear whatever he, he can alter reality and he can hear people's thoughts and basically the whole family lives in terror of him. It turns out they're not even his family. They're just people like Kathleen Quinlan who wanted to help him out and then he trapped them in the house. Yeah. Um, we learned that his real sister fan of, ran afoul of his uh, his wishes and he took her mouth away. And uh, now she sits upstairs watching Watching cartoons. cartoons all day. So you know what I learned about that? The hmm. girl who plays his sister? That's Cherie Curry from The Runaways. Oh. Yeah, your ch- 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 cherry bomb. Well, yeah, and um, there's there's a lot of of that of um, it's it's revealed because the things they have for dinner, like they're cooking dinner, and what do they have for dinner? Like peanut butter sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and uh, Cheetos or and something. like ice cream, like kid food, like right. is what they have, and. Um, you know, quite Kat, Kathleen Quinn that says like, "Oh, I hope you guys don't eat like this every night. This is unhealthy." And, and they're then, all like, like, "Oh, it's wonderful look, to eat like this every night. The boy is wonderful. It's so great. Right. Everything, anything he and wants." It's clear they sort of just live cowed in terror of him. Um, but meanwhile, when he's not there, they're all like sneaking cigarettes from her purse and trying to figure out ways to escape. They uh, write a note to her. He saying, takes like, revenge on one of them on Yardley, uh, not Yardley Smith, on Nancy Cartwright. He transports her into a TV cartoon realm where she gets killed right. by a, and it's 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 wonderful. Like it's a really in good, really terrifying Joe Dante cartoons. Um, uh, the house. The more you watch it, and the more the story goes along, it starts to look like it was. It's like the it's like the version of The Simpsons that they built out west, where they, there's a Springfield you can go to, and you can go inside The Simpsons yeah. house, and it looks so. And the jarring. angles become more acute. The sh- the shadows become more stark. There's the even, colors become more cartoonish. There's even like a mouse hole on the side in the living room that like is so Tom and Jerry kind of mouse hole that would not exist in real life. Anyhow, he sort of forces Kevin McCarthy to do a magic show over and over for him and uh, at some point conjures up these bizarre puppet monsters of rabbits and other cartoon creatures that are frankly deeply terrifying. Yes. (laughs) Deeply disturbing. uh, then Kathleen Quinlan at some point talks him down. To the kid, right. Like you can't treat these people as slaves. Yeah. And he, for whatever reason, he doesn't kill her and they leave together right but it's implied that you know she is just falling for what they have fallen for before uh, because you know he says well, we're gonna leave now um but he makes the what does he make the ring show up or something the key he to the keys. car he doesn't right. she doesn't know where the keys are he when magics she gets to her the car. keys in her hand and and she's says, like oh he's never gonna quit this and it's like they're in your pocket and then he she looks down and that's where they are right um and they and drive then off as they drive them. off he makes like all these beautiful flowers appear behind them so it's very clear like the wikipedia summary of this segment is all like oh he's finally free and i'm like you did not get the message of that ending at all which is she is just the next destroy, slave he destroys of the her. house right like he, uh, he kills yeah. everyone inside yeah, yeah. So that's the end of that one. Um, and then we get the very best of them. Which is a retelling of the gremlin on the plane. 
Um, Terror at 20,000 feet, I believe. Terror at 20,000 feet, which is uh, the William Shatner character is now being played by John Lithgow. By uh, also a recurring visitor to our show who uh, we saw in uh, 2010. Yes. The year we make contact. Uh, and he is the, uh, the passenger who is afraid of flying. Right. And is a nervous wreck. And he's having wreck. a tr- troublesome flight. They're flying there. He's on a, a big 747, and it's a it's a troubled flight. Um, Storms, it, lightning. Turbulence, Donna everything Dixon. like that. He looks outside the window, and he sees something on the wing. Right. What does he see, Josh? Uh, a, a humanoid form of some kind that he believes is tearing at the engine and on the plane. And every time he tells someone about it, they come to look, and it's not there. And it's not there. And he just, it's really just an episode in his escalation of his crazies um, and, you know, are sharing in his crazies by we see the monster that, you know. In good Twilight Zone fashion, may or may not have actually been there. No one can see it, right. but things start happening on the plane. At some point, he, he shoots open the window, right? Yeah, he shoots open the window to try and shoot them, and it depressurizes the cabin. Which and makes then they them force emergency land. land. And, like, um, he's already suspected of being crazy because he's a, a rider that's gone off the deep end mm-hmm. or something like that. He ends up in an ambulance, and uh, does he actually see the critter on the side of the plane? No, when the plane no, lands, but they, they look see, at the, uh, they the engine, the they see the marks. tearing marks that they say couldn't have just been lightning. Yeah, right. I know. And then he gets in an ambulance, and as he's driving away... Because we have to revisit the framing device. The uh, um, Someone says, hey, you want to hear a story or something like that? And you turn around, and it's, it's Dan Aykroyd, right. and he's driving the ambulance. So, and that one, uh, the thing that's the best about that is it's one of the few depictions on screen of on a movie screen of what it really feels like to be terrified of, of flying in a plane. Because uh, the, the sort of claustrophobia and the sort of sense of like things like time moving at weird rates. And uh, I just I really liked the sort of kinetic but yet claustrophobic direction mm-hmm. of that segment. I thought that was really, really good. Uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, it's an irony to me that I was reading like uh, Roger Ebert's review of the movie and he was talking about how like George Miller and Joe Dante are these unknown directors, which today they're not. Um, mm-hmm. But at the time they were it was like these unknowns uh, do a much better job than Landis and uh, Spielberg. And they you know, do, like, though. They do, but it's like, you know. George Miller is a world-class great filmmaker. They also chose better stories. They chose better, right. more recognizable stories. Like if Well, and tighter narratives. If someone had redone the one random episode of The Twilight Zone where it turns out the World War II happened because that guy let the devil out of the monastery... <laughs> Right, that's a tight narrative. That would have been like, okay, that's not what that's not one of the more famous ones. It's like no. the ones up there like your famous ones are like the monsters on Mulberry Street, Terror at 20,000 uh, feet. All the time in the world. All the time in the world and uh you know the the creepy ass kid and maybe mm-hmm. the one with the mannequins. I don't know. And the the one with the face, the faces, the surgery with the faces. Or is that a, is that a Outer Limits episode? I and the forget. one where Katherine Heigl kills Hitler as a baby, except right. she doesn't. Except she doesn't. Um, so so I, if we're rating all the segments, I would go uh, fourth, third, first, second in terms of best. Oh, to worst. I would go third, fourth, one, two. Okay. So, really so you liked just... the Joe Dante segment better than the George Miller segment? Because it was it was legitimately really creepy. Yeah, it's really it good. was creepy. Yeah. Um, 
so that was the Twilight Zone movie. I thought it had it. It, it was. It's a. I mean, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's. It's. I don't know what else you would do with a Twilight Zone movie. You know? Yeah, I think the problem is that it's already an anthology show. Mm-hmm. So like making it a movie, there's not like a mythos or a sort of. There's all you can do is really capture or ca- like beloved characters. Mm-hmm. It's a weird TV show. Because it's an anthology, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have recognizable characters. It doesn't even have a recognizable story structure except for, like I said, ham-fisted progressive politics and twist the ending. The most thing, the thing that is the most reliable about it is the narration. It is Rod yeah. Stone coming on, meet Josh Lucas. We have a man here who's about to go into the Twilight Zone and then does the music. A man possessed by so many demons he can't count them. And yet, his fiercest demon of all is his inability to count. Inside? The Twilight Zone. Right. The scary um, door. <laughs> so. Um, all right. So if Twilight Zone were a movie and we were a cocktail, what would it be? Well, I thought um, if the Twilight Zone movie were a yeah. cocktail, what would it be? Um, let's see. The Twilight Zone movie were a cocktail. I think that it would be. Um, oh, wait. I, think I've, I actually think I've said that one before. What? Like uh, one where you, you drop the ingredients inside a base and mm-hmm. then you drink it real fast. <laughs> like an Irish car like a, bomb. Like a, like a, uh, a, a boilermaker. Yeah. Oh, no, like an Irish car bomb where you take uh, your whiskey and some Baileys and you drop it inside a glass of like Guinness. That's and what then a boilermaker just... is. It's whiskey in a, in a, but, in a beer. Right. But the, the, it's themed. The car right. bomb is themed. Or like, you know, something like a, this is an actual cocktail, nor is the Irish car bomb, but the, uh, I had one in Canada that with, mm-hmm. with like, you have your red liqueur and your blue liqueur for mana and for <laughs> health and you drop inside something green and drink. Is that one of your Ataris? Yes. Um, so that's what it reminds me of. You know, I was just going to say Long Island iced tea because it has a bunch of things in it. Some of them are good and some of them suck. Okay. So if the Stinger were a movie, what would it be? Um, hmm. The Stinger were a movie. What would it be? If the Stinger were, uh, um, if the cocktail were a movie, um, I think it would be something that comes on a little strong, but that mm-hmm. you ultimately find enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna go, and this might be a little bit too on the nose, but I'm gonna go with uh, Mad Max: Fury Road. Oh, you, you got that movie on the brain. It's a ba-bam, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Yes, I am along for this crazy ride." <laughs> I think it would be something that was short, but tangy and had a punch. So I was going to go with one of those um, Werner Herzog documentaries that's only about an hour long from mm-hmm. the, like, um, Even Dwarf Start Small or the the one about Steiner, the uh, the skier, uh, the mountain climber. And uh, they're all, like, less than an hour long, but they're mm-hmm. all really good. So, like this, it's a very, you know, it's a very constrained cocktail, but very tasty. Yep. Very tasty. Okay. So, Kate, we're going to add another thing to our TV uh, adaptation reviews, which is, would you rather watch a random episode of this show or watch this movie, watch any 30 minutes of this movie taken out of it? Uh, I'd rather watch an episode of The Twilight Zone, any of them. Yeah, um, I think so, too. Just because, again, it's such an anthology show. And there, there's always an episode of The Twilight Zone that I've forgotten about, and it's, I it yeah, it's pretty clear. I would rather watch anything... Any just random episode mm-hmm. of the Twilight Zone. Plus, you know, the Twilight Zone is such a, a creature of its time mm-hmm. that you'd at least get that sort of thrill of like it's the '60s and like it's like when you watch original Star Trek. Yeah. And like the, the ham-fisted politics are so goofy in them that you mm-hmm. get a little bit of like oh whatever, but it's like you know you'd at least get that sort of thrill out of it. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, I would rather watch an episode of uh, of The Twilight Zone, too. So. I mean, it's not like if it was like the Grey's Anatomy movie versus any episode of Grey's Anatomy when I would probably choose the Grey's Anatomy movie because fuck, who cares? Right. But like this is one that The Twilight Zone is... It's, and again, it's an anthology, so it's diverse. You're never going to get the yeah. I was one. I like, we talk about how this movie would not get made this way today because oh God, it's no. four white guys, only one of whom isn't even from America. Yeah. Four baby boomer white guys. Well, I think Steven Spielberg can get anything made today. Um, well, I'm just saying it wouldn't. You'd, you'd have a. It would be ever so slightly more uh, diverse in it. Yeah, because Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez would be all over that shit. <sighs> so it may thank heavens for small favors that this one failed. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else going on uh, this week that we wanted to talk about? Um, uh, I don't think see. so. Hey, we had the Steam sale. Did you get anything cool on the Steam sale? I did not because I don't have any money. Yeah. yeah. I feel bad. Like, I buy so much stuff on the Steam sale, right? But, um, but like, I only buy, like, super heavily uh, discounted stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, like... I feel like I'm almost like insulting people who made this stuff and then I'm buying it so cheap. Like going it's you know it's like it's like going to like a tax auction and buying like really expensive furniture for two bucks. And I just imagine that like the person who bought that furniture for six hundred bucks is standing there just be like, really, really, really. See, my problem with the Steam sale is if I buy too much, then I start to feel like I'm neglecting all of the games oh, you'll that get I haven't that. played. Yeah, you'll never play. I have so many games on Steam that I have never just, I've only played past, a little bit. Yeah, of. But just get, you'll get past that. Then you just have to accept the fact that you will never finish all those games. Well, I know, but it it's like I feel like I haven't paid them enough attention. They're only my children. I'm abusing yeah, them. They're not fucking Tamagotchis. Yeah, I know, but that's I'm just explaining to you how my crazy brain works. Ooh, speaking of Tamagotchis, we got a robot dog. We do have a robot yeah. dog. His I got name my wife, is Bentley. His name is Bentley. We got my wife a robot dog. Uh, he's pretty cool. He's pretty cool. Yeah. Let's see, what else was I going to talk about? Oh, okay. So, you know, I, uh, I uh, had an episode of the show where I uh, yelled and screamed about Kim Kardashian. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. I must stand up for Kim Kardashian. Why? Did you hear about this thing? Uh, she was on uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR show. Okay. I think it was Wait, Wait. It might have been the other quiz show they have. Uh, and she was on, and it was like, you know, whatever. But then all of these angry NPR listeners wrote letters to NPR like, that waste of human space should not be on public radio. She is dirty. And I could just see all of these, like, you know, NPR people. Yep. You know, like, you know, sitting there with their... Peter, Paul, and Mary records wishing that they would air the Simon and Garfunkel Central Park concert for the 87th time on public TV. But before they, have to go, before they have to go to the local farmer's market. Right, with, with their canvas their... bags mm. and their Subaru. They're going to, you know. My point being, yeah, fuck you. It's a little jokey game show. If she's game to go on there and have jokes made about her, fuck you she's... for riding her pine. Well, she's kind of game to do anything if it's going to make well, her money. She which, has no actual job. But which, God you know, bless her for that. Well, whatever. I mean, I'm you know, I still don't understand her existence. But you know, if I have to pick between her, this is good because we've established the totem pole of who Josh roots for. Uh, in a, if it's uh, Kim Kardashian versus a bunch of NPR listeners, I'm going to vote for Kim. I'm going to root for Kim Kardashian. What do you think would have happened if O.J. Simpson had never killed his wife? Would she still be famous? Would Kim Kardashian still be famous? Yeah. Oh, of course not. Because, I mean, like, she's... She's just a girl with a big ass. She wouldn't even have fucked Ray J. So then you, you wouldn't have... Well, her, the, her the dad dominoes, would still have been, like, a prominent lawyer, right? But right? The, the dominoes that needed to fall for her to become whatever she is today would never have fallen. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But, you know, that's... You're getting into Twilight Zone territory there yourself. It's a butterfly. If a butterfly flaps its wings 
in Malaysia. If Catherine Malaysia, Heigl goes back in time to kill Adolf right. Hitler, does, instead, the, does that butterfly end up making a sex tape with Ray J? Yeah. <laughs> does Catherine Heigl the then way, abduct a gypsy child? The, the male cubby in my brain with celebrities' names on them mm-hmm. uh, is shared by Ray J and Ray J Johnson. And it's just never going to not be that way. It's okay. just, it's just, you know, it's like, it's like the Jessica Chastain and uh, uh, Bryce, Dallas it, Bryce Dallas Howard, Howard thing. Mm-hmm. It's just never, I'm never going to get, I'm never going to be able to, or, or, with, or uh, Carrie Russell and Kimberly Williams. Always going to be in the same it's bin the same in my brain. with, um, uh, it's the same thing with um, Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton. Yeah, but I think so many people have that, that it's actually worked against it. Yeah. Like that, that being a meme has helped people uh, identify one another. Yeah, and I think that will actually happen with Bryce Dallas Howard and Jessica Chastain because I think that's become such a thing. Um, that... And then Jessica Lange and Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> that's one. <laughs> that's a big one. She, she really does look like Jessica Lange, doesn't she? And that is a compliment, by the I way. I mean, I'm it's like, yeah, Lange, yeah. You know, keeping it together. That's, a, that's some pretty good stuff. Yeah. So there was that. Do I have anything else? Oh, we got to play What You Rather. You gonna do? Would you rather? Oh, well, I gotta do the other stuff first. Oh, oh also, oh. we were watching uh, *Halt and Catch Fire*, and people should watch it because I like it. Yeah. And uh, it's gotten better this season. We haven't even started second season. I liked first season. Uh, hey, if you're looking to get up with us, you can reach us on Twitter at @pntcast. Uh, mention us, and we will totally give you a shout out because we are vain like that. So very, very vain. Our web address is prefernotto.com, where you can find old episodes and occasionally show notes that we sometimes have the spirit move us to make. If you want to shoot us an email, you can send it to pntcast at gmail.com. And also, for serious, we would love an iTunes review. Thanks to all of you people uh, who've done them so far. We got one the other day that praised our Paw Patrol recaps. And frankly, we've been kind of lax on that front ever since the whole drama about them leaving the network and taking the whole thing to Netflix and just yeah. putting the whole third season up at once. Um, so we haven't really gotten a chance to get into that, which we will do. Um, but we're actually, frankly, still working our way through. You know, we got Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Um, we nailed down Kimmy Schmidt a long time ago, but we got to get uh, Paw Patrol uh, going. And it, it's sort of, it's doing some things I like, and it's doing some things I don't, you know. But we'll get to that. Um, but thank you um, for the person who praised us for our Paw Patrol. I feel like there aren't enough sh- uh, podcasts out there that are uh, talking about that show. I don't know why. Maybe it's that's why I went to Netflix. I don't know. Yeah, I think that probably is uh, probably is the case. Okay, so want to play some Would You Rather? Sure. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay, go for it. Would you rather live in uh, a world that was everything was controlled by Steven Spielberg? Mm-hmm. Aesthetically, emotionally, mm-hmm. everything, or a world that was controlled by um, Yui Bull? Oh, Spielberg, that's a, that's a chip shot. Oh, yeah? Even if it led to a bunch of magical <laughs> magical children. Yeah, but it would also have Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and Jurassic Park and Close Encounters of the Third Kind in it, so fuck that shit. Yeah. Okay. That all man right. actually has a sensibility. Oh, that's there's no contest on okay. that one. All you right. Wanna, you want to ratchet that one up at all? It's going to be like Amistad. We're the only, the only, he only, it's only Amistad Spielberg. It's only it's like, like, it's like preachy, preachy historical drama preachy Spielberg. Historical Still, Uwe Boll is just a, just a loathsome yeah. little shed. Yeah. Okay, so here's mine for you. Okay. You ready? And this one's going to be a multi-parter. Okay. Okay. Would you rather have someone cut off a finger mm-hmm. or a toe? Am I awake for this procedure? 
And you don't I even get, feel it. You just lose a finger or I you lose a toe. Which finger or which toe? Let's say we're starting from the outside. Pinkies and babies. Probably a finger. You would rather lose a finger than a toe? Yeah. Really? Losing okay. your toes can fuck with how you walk. Okay. So let me ask you this. Would you rather lose one toe or two fingers? One toe. Okay. So it, they're almost one to one, but with a little bit in, in favor of the toe. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. All right. Hey, Vagar Hoot. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, I saw a list of characters George Martin wished from the books that they were including in the shows that they aren't. Yeah. Burga Hoot was not on that list. Uh, cool. But it was like Jane Poole, uh, Lady Stoneheart, yeah. uh, Strong Bellwas. Yeah. You know. Anywho. All right. Well, you've spent another lovely cocktail hour with us, and I can't say it enough. I'm really grateful to those of you who inexplicably listen on purpose as well to those 11 who click on us accidentally truly, truly you will be in the the realm of the anointed you are you among will the ascend elect. into heaven this week to sit at the right hand of josh and myself uh yeah no, don't sit too close uh we've enjoyed as always spending this time with you and uh be it in the world to come in the streets paved with gold or just in your eardrums we really hope that you do it again sometime. Before you sh- shed your mortal coil and are pressed close to the bosom of Josh and myself. Mostly Josh. Yeah, th- thanks. Thank you for listening, is what I'm saying. Thank you. <laughs> you gotta get ready for that. I'm trying to lead you into it, and you, you never let me lead you into it. You always forget. Yeah.